Hey, welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you're joining us for the first time, we are finishing up a three-week conversation entitled Don't Settle for Christian. And I encourage you to go back and watch online if you haven't watched the first two talks because they really do build a foundation for what we're going to say today because today is going to be a big challenge for us as a church. Now, we started out this conversation and we kind of built it upon the idea of this. That becoming a Christian is easy. And we understand that's true. All you have to do is trust that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, which makes his forgiveness a free gift to you and to me. There's nothing that we have to do other than receive the gift. It costs us nothing. While it costs Jesus everything, it's a free gift to us. So what we've said is becoming a Christian is easy, but following Jesus will cost me everything. And as we've talked about the last two weeks, Jesus, he loved us with this incredible love, but his love was not the balance of, but it was the full capacity of grace and truth. In other words, we said what made Jesus' love so different was this. He didn't show grace sometimes and then decide to declare truth sometimes and try to keep that a balance of 50-50. No, Jesus was the full capacity of grace and truth in every interaction of every moment of every day. Now, that is a challenge for us because we naturally tend to lean toward either being all grace and just giving people a pass on everything or all truth and just making a point about everything. So learning to be full of grace and truth, we said it is messy, it is confusing, and it is costly. And some of you, you wrestled with that tension this week, didn't you? You didn't realize you had that tension before, but after last week's discussion, you understood that the tension you were wrestling with in many of your relationships was the tension of being full of grace and truth. And the reason we wrestle with that is because it's an entirely different way to love than most of us have experienced. But I'm just telling you, that is a great tension to wrestle with. In fact, we said last week, if you're feeling that tension, you're probably in the right place in a relationship. And if the tension goes away, it means you've probably gone too far to the grace side or to the truth side. Now, here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you as you wrestle with this tension is that you would open up scripture and you would begin to look at what Jesus taught and you look at how Jesus constantly lived in that tension. The best way to do that is go and read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and notice and discover this tension that Jesus lived with and how he lived it out of being full of grace and truth. But there was something else that we learned about Jesus in this process and that is this that Jesus never called anyone to be a Christian. No, he called us to be followers, or another word is a disciple. And Jesus said, being a good disciple means that you love one another the way that Jesus has loved us, which is a pretty high standard when you think about it. Because as we learn, Jesus loved without limits. He, he loved his enemies. He, he loved people that didn't agree with him. He loved people who were nothing like him. So for the challenge for us in this series is this. 
How do we do more than just wear the badge or the label of Christian? How do we do more than just settle for Christian and not change our behavior or not change anything really about ourselves, but how do we become fully devoted followers of Jesus? And so the place to start answering this question, we think, is to look at Jesus himself. Now, here's the thing. If you've studied the ministry of Jesus, you you know Jesus earned the reputation of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And the way that he got that reputation was by spending so much time in the company of tax collectors and sinners. For example, one day he looks at Matthew, who was a thief and a crook. He was also a tax collector. And he said, come follow me. Hang out with me for a while and see what you believe about me. He, he didn't say to Matthew, hey, Matthew, if you clean up your act, then you can follow me. Or Matthew, if you change your behavior, then you can follow me. He just said, Matthew, come follow me. We'll take care of lifestyle changes as we go. You, you just spend time with me and let me help you come to know your heavenly father. There was another time in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus is eating with this religious leader by the name of Simon, and a prostitute came in, poured perfume on Jesus' feet, and began to wash his feet. Then Simon says to Jesus, if you really were a prophet, you'd know that this woman is a sinner, and you wouldn't let her do that. And Jesus says, Simon, you don't get it. I came for people like her, so I'm fine with her serving me. So while there's definitely this tension that comes with being full of grace and truth, what we have discovered over the years as we live in this tension, we found that there's nothing that is more transforming for someone far from God than when they get to lean in close and they get to serve along Christ's followers and see for themselves whether the relationship with Jesus is real and genuine and authentic. But here's the, this is the constant uphill battle that we face. And we, we face this battle for 20-something years now. It's in you and it's in me. There's just this tendency to make it hard for people to follow Jesus and be part of the body of Christ. See, there's this tendency for us to just inwardly focus and just think about ourselves. And, and then what happens is as we become inwardly focused and, and we just think about ourselves, we become judgmental toward other people who aren't where we think we are now but are where we think we used to be. And let me just kind of explain it this way. What happens too many times, and this is a tension that we've struggled with for years to make sure that we try to figure out how to keep this balance of grace and truth, and that is this, that there are way too many churches like this ladder. And what they have done is they've taken out all the bottom rungs of the ladder. So what happens is you have people who aren't believers yet, People who are struggling with hurts and habits and hang-ups or they're just starting out trying to figure this faith thing out and they've got questions and they come and say, hey, I would like to find out what it means to have a relationship with God. But here's the thing. There's nowhere for me to start. I just can't jump way up here to the truth rung just like that. And here's what happens. People who wear the label of Christians, they'll say something like this. Well, you just have to try harder. Or or once you've cleaned up your act or once you've changed your behavior, once you stop doing all these things or you start doing these things, then you can get up here 
with us. And here's what happens. So many people walk away, not because they don't want a relationship with God. They walk away because we just communicated to them that the church is just for people who know how to do church, who know how to sit, stand, kneel, do all the rules. Now, the problem with that, if the church is just for church people, then Christianity is just for church people, which means Jesus is just for church people, and nothing could be further from the truth. But over the years, because so many churches have been all truth, what we've done is we've sent the message that you can't be part of us unless you can jump all the way up here because we're taking out the bottom rungs and making it hard for you to know Jesus. Now, the interesting thing is this. This isn't some new problem that Christians today have. This problem started about three months after Jesus left the earth, and it hasn't stopped since. So today, we're going to look at a story from Acts 15 that shows us how the first Christians, they struggled with this tension of grace and truth as well. Now, here's some context that you need to know before we read this. And you may not realize it, but most of the first Christ followers, they were Jewish. And up until Jesus, they had been practicing Judaism. Now, if you're not familiar with that, Judaism was a religion where it was important for you to follow a lot, and I mean a lot of rules. There were rules for where you should, or when you should go to the temple and how you should go to the temple, rules on how to make sacrifice, rules on what to wear or not to wear, rules on how or what, when you could walk on the Sabbath. So when they begin to follow Jesus, these Jewish people who were Judaizers, they didn't immediately give up all the rules. In other words, if you were to ask any of them what makes someone a good Christian, they would have told you following Jesus and a list of rules. Now, that's not what Jesus taught, nor is it what he intended it to be. So there was this guy that came along named the Apostle Paul who started going to places where Gentiles lived. That's people who were not Jews. And he tells them, hey, you may not have heard this good news yet, but God's son came and he died and he rose again so that you could be forgiven and you could have a personal relationship with God. In fact, the apostle Paul would say something like, I had an encounter with him myself, but you don't have to take my word for it. Here's a list of names of over 500 people still living today who saw him. They saw him live. They saw him die. They saw him rise again. So just go ask them. And the people would. And because he lived, he died, and he rose again, based upon the resurrection of Jesus, they put their faith in Jesus. So all these non-Jewish, non-Judaism people were becoming Christ followers. But here's what's interesting. When these Jewish Christians heard about these Gentiles becoming Christ followers, it made them mad because these Gentiles, they had some behaviors that violated their Jewish rules. So get this. Here's what these Jewish Christ followers who still were practicing some Judaism, what they did. 
they started sending out groups of people to all these different places where the apostle Paul had been, and then they would gather up these Gentile Christians in a group, and they would say something like this, hey, you can't be part of our club just yet. Because you need to clean up your act. You need to keep some rules like us Jewish people, and then we'll let you in. Well, you can imagine, when the apostle Paul hears about this, he is ticked. Because he knows, I mean, even though he's a Jew too, that this just is not right. It's not the gospel. It's not what Jesus came to do. So eventually... The early church leaders, what happened, they called this meeting, so they all go back to Jerusalem to talk with all the leaders of the church and to figure this thing out. And so in Acts chapter 15, we have the record of this church business meeting. I want you to look at it with me beginning in verse 4. It says, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, literally the church in Jerusalem, and the apostles and the elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them, basically in their ministry to the Gentiles. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, now why would some of the Pharisees became followers of Jesus? Because they saw Jesus predict his death, they saw him die, and they saw him rise again. So then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. In other words, the Gentiles who are becoming Christ followers, they can't be part of the church, they can't be part of our group unless they follow our rules and act our way. Now, they're basically saying, hey, it's great that they believe in Jesus, but we don't think that's enough. We are not going to make it easy for them. We're going to make it complicated, and we're going to force them to jump all the way up here to the top rung of the ladder if they want in. So there's this showdown at this meeting. And the question really becomes, is the Apostle Paul right about what it means to have a relationship with God, or are the Pharisees? And then after a lot of debate, James stands up to speak. Now, you got to understand, James has some serious clout because he's a half-brother of Jesus. And here's what he says. Acts 15, 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In other words, God made it simple. We're not going to make it hard. What James is saying is this, is that Jesus, his half-brother, He loved people far from God. So we're not going to exclude them because they don't follow our certain Jewish rules. In fact, in light of how Jesus loved us, love doesn't lead us to complicate things or focus on ourselves or only care about the people who have figured out how to keep the rules. So what James is saying is, listen, love leads us to care about people, people who aren't sure, people who haven't figured it out, people who are just taking their first step of faith. So we will not make it difficult for people who are turning to God because Jesus isn't just for church people. Jesus is for everybody. And to their credit, they listen to James. 
And they listened and they loved and they gave up their rules for relationships with Jesus based upon love. But it didn't take long until the church had come up with some new ways to complicate salvation. And you know what? That has kind of been the history of the church. And even today, I don't care what church or what denomination you choose, you will still find churches where it's all about them. Instead of loving people far from God, what they're doing is they are literally taking out all the bottom rungs of the ladder and they're making it tough for people to follow Jesus. And then suddenly what happens is when you take out this part, the lower, the easy steps, the grace part, suddenly it becomes all about how you live and which sins are really bad and what you've done in the past. It's not about Jesus anymore. In fact, when we transitioned to becoming a community church about 28 years ago, we wanted to be a church that was committed to reaching our neighbors with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we started with this simple passion that has not changed to this day. We're convinced loving others the way Jesus loved us, what it meant is it meant that we had to come along and do something that most of us who grew up in church had never done. We had to put all the rungs back into the ladder. Literally, we had to move the rungs to the lowest level possible on the ladder. And just like it's difficult to put these rungs in this ladder, it is difficult to keep the lower rungs in a church as well because we all tend to want to go all truth and no grace. And that's how difficult it becomes at times to get all these rungs in this ladder. And so you get the point very clearly because here's why we do this. We believe that Jesus didn't come just for church people or religious people. We believe that Jesus came for everybody. And we don't think the church is just for church people. We think the church is for everybody because everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs a Savior. And we think there will come a point in a person's life, and we've seen it year after year after year, when they face a crisis and they wonder, does God love me? Does God care? Is he even here? And they should be able to come to our church and see and feel Jesus' love, God's love in a tangible way. And ultimately, we believe everybody wants a relationship with their Heavenly Father, whether they realize it or not. So what we say is love, the love of Jesus Christ, it compels us to create a church that people far from God love to attend and then makes it very simple for them to take steps in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. We don't get it right all the time. Sometimes we find ourselves removing the lower rungs and the ladder. And, and we just keep trying to get it right. And we put them back in. And, and, and here's the thing. We try again and again. Because here's the thing. God's grace, it is so important for all of us to experience. But God's truth is so important for all of us to live out. So by God's grace, we want to be a place that has all the rungs in the latter, where people who've been hurt and confused and maybe don't know anything about the Bible, they can come and say, okay, I don't know if I believe what you believe, but I have never felt more love. And I'm not sure I buy all this stuff that you guys say, but I want to engage with you guys and I want to explore it for myself. Like I'm on the bottom. I'm just starting on the very first rung. 
But for the first time in my life, I feel like there's hope and that I can know God and understand what it means to follow him. Listen, that's the kind of church we have to be in this culture today if we're going to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. Not because it's easy, because it's not, but because that's what Jesus did. Therefore, we feel compelled to do this. And I, I think the Apostle Paul, he summed it up best in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he said it this way. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. So why do we do what we do as a church? Why are we willing to battle the tension of being a church that is full of both grace and truth that has all the rungs in the ladder? Because Jesus' love compels us to. And we're convinced that not only did Jesus die for everyone, including those people who you don't approve of their behavior yet, but we're convinced that everybody matters to their heavenly Father. So let me just get real specific and talk to those of you who are Christ followers and you consider this your church home because this is our challenge to you because we believe love requires you and me to do what I'm about to challenge you to do. So first of all, we believe that love compels us to serve. In fact, as we relaunch our campuses, we challenge you to re-engage and get involved here, helping us keep all the bottom rungs on the ladder so that this is a safe place for people to come and ask questions, to explore their doubts, and to find hope and help and healing for their hurts and their habits and their hang-ups. See, we need every one of these bottom rungs. We need them staffed with people who are passionate about those who are far from God, kids who just don't know, teenagers who aren't sure, adults who don't understand, so that they can experience what it means to be loved by God. See, being a Jesus follower does not mean you show up in your living room or you show up in one of our buildings and you sit down and you go, I'm just going to enjoy the show and kind of critique what I don't like. No, love compels you to serve other people and starting serving here and helping us create environments that create the lower steps for people. That's a great place for you to start. So in your seat this morning, there was a serving made simple card and if you're not serving right now, we would like for you to fill that out, and, and you can leave it with the guest service team who's at the door. If you're watching online, uh, you can go on our RCC app, and you can fill out the Connect card and let us know that you would like to find out a way how you can engage even though you're not back in the room yet. Now, here's the thing. If you're a teenager, we, we want to challenge you to start serving. We've got a lot of teenagers who do that every week. If you're a college student, we challenge you to serve as well because here's what we've learned. Serving others is one of the best first steps that you can take in your path of discipleship, of being a disciple of Jesus. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. So it's a great next step. Some of you adults, you've kind of used this whole COVID virus to check out, and, and you kind of use the excuse that, man, it's just been so busy with COVID, you just can't have, don't have time, I just can't get involved. And, and here's the thing, I don't think any of us can use busier than somebody else as an excuse during this season. We all are absolutely busy, but we believe that love should compel you, as the Apostle Paul said, to serve. And the starting point for many of you could just begin giving an hour on a Sunday to create a place where people can connect with their Heavenly Father. The second thing we want to challenge you to do, because we believe love compels us to give. 
See, we say it's impossible to love and not give. In fact, the, the great, greatest illustration of that is the best-known verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave everything, his one and only son. So here's the thing. If you're not taking a percentage of your money to help others, if you're not setting aside a certain amount every week or every month, and you're not helping fund environments that we create or helping us before our communities or continue to help us fund missions in other countries, then I can promise you, if you're not weekly or monthly being consistently generous, then your heart is shrinking. It's not growing in love because love compels us to be generous. And then thirdly, love compels us to invest. See, we believe that love compels us to invest in the life of someone who's far from God. There are people all around you who'd like to know God. They just don't know how. And they don't even think it's possible to find the answers of how to have a relationship with God at church. So you personally, you have to be the way that God reveals himself to them. You cannot ignore that. You cannot get too busy to care about that. You can't be all about just living in your truth and cause them to miss out on God's grace. See, love compels you to be passionate about people far from God and show them what God's love looks like in a very personable, personal and tangible way. Listen. Because of what our world has gone through, through this whole COVID pandemic, there are more people than ever who aren't pursuing a relationship with God. And the only way that will change is if you and I decide enough that we're going to care enough to make sure that they have a relationship with God, that we are going to care enough to serve them, that we're going to care enough to give, that we're going to care enough to make sure that we're investing to care enough to make sure all the rungs are on the ladder, especially the bottom rung, so that when they start searching for God, they'll experience the full capacity of Jesus' grace and his truth, and then they can decide if they want to follow him. But we cannot, as James said, make it difficult for them. So here's our question. If you're a Christ follower, will you join us for the rest of the year and all of next year in making sure that we have all the bottom rungs on the ladder of our church? And will you help us move our focus from ourselves to the people who are far from God, who really matter deeply to God? What James said is so true. We should not and we will not make it difficult for people who are turning to God because people are desperate for a relationship with God more now than ever. And if you're not a Christ follower, would you just jump in alongside us and honestly just explore who Jesus is? For some of you, that's what you've been doing for a while, especially since this COVID pandemic. And maybe the day is a day you need to take your first step on the ladder and accept him as Lord and Savior. So I want to challenge all of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus, that you would let love compel you to serve, give, and invest. If you're not a follower of Jesus, would you take the first step today? Just receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to give all of us a chance to do that. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for just this incredible opportunity to be just living in your love. And God, I know that today there are men and women and students who have never received your gift of forgiveness. And today is their day when they take that first step. They step in to your grace.
and your love. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, would you just take that step today? Would you just pray in your heart? Lord, I'm going to pray out loud. Just say, Jesus, today I ask you to come into my heart, be my sin forgiver, my life leader from this day on. I choose to follow you. And I'm just going to keep taking steps. I'm, I'm going to learn from other Christians. I'm going to learn from your word. I'm going to learn from your Holy Spirit that is going to indwell me. I'm going to learn from this church what it means to follow Jesus. Best I know how. I'm just going to keep taking steps. And I thank you that every day you're going to help that. You're going to help me see clearly how to do that. So thank you for coming in my life, being my sin forgiver, being the one who is going to help me understand what love is like I've never known it before. So thank you for this incredible opportunity to follow you. And if you just prayed that prayer, just let us know. If you're online, let us know on the RCC app. Just go to the Connect card there. If you're in the room, just take out the Connect card that was in the worship guide and let us know that you made a commitment to Jesus Christ today. For those of you who consider yourselves Christ followers, would you just say, Jesus, today, I just want to experience your love to the level that it compels me to give, to serve, to invest. Fill me with such a passion because of your love for me. I can't help but live this out. Help us to commit, Jesus, to being a church that puts all the rungs in the ladder, the grace rungs, the truth rungs, and help us to live full of grace and truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for spending your morning with us or your time with us today. want to see you back next week. We have a great treat for you. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you then.